Dear congregation, once I spoke to a girl who wanted to attend the confession class. She had been coming for a long time to church. She wasn't with the church before. And now she asked me if she will be allowed to attend the confession class. I asked her a question. Why did you come to this church? Why? And then Tears came on her cheeks. And she said, Because I was thirsty. Thirsty for God. And I believed that I can come to know Him. in church and I asked her a second question did you drink did you get to drink from the living water and she bowed her head and said yes I did And you? What would you answer me this morning? And I ask you that question. Or may I ask you two questions? One, are you thirsty? For living water? And the second, did you drink of the living water already or not? You have to answer these questions. with your eyes upon the Lord. This morning I want to focus on the living water as described in the Gospel of John. We've read it together. Chapter 7 and in particular the verses 37 to 39. You will read this now for a second time. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man first, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. 
then a note of John, written by John. But this spake he of the Spirit, Holy Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the, the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Till so far. The thing for the sermon this morning is water for thirsty hearts. And then we will reflect on three points. The first is water from Siloam. The second point of second thought is water from the rock. And the third point or thought is water from the, the Christian. So, I repeat, water from Siloam, water from the rock, and water from the Christian. We read, congregation, the last day of the feast. The last day of the feast. What's, what's John meaning here? I think you all know that the Jewish people had to attend three big feasts each year. So, three times, seven days each. So, in total, 21 days each year. Free feast. I will give you a summary of this feast. The first is the Passover. And, and every feast has two aspects. One Spiritually and one more temporarily. The first is the Passover and the spiritual significance of this feast is the exodus from Egypt. We know that the people uh, were captured, they were like slaves in Egypt for more than 300 years. But the Lord cared for them. And there came a day that the Lord was sending Moses and Aaron to the Pharaoh. And there would come one night, a very special night. Then the people had to slaughter a one-year-old lamb. And the blood of that lamb had to be collected. And then the blood to be painted on the three bows of the door, both sides and above. And inside the house, the people had to eat the meat of the lamb, the roasted lamb, and unleavened cakes. They had also to be ready for departure. And in that night, the, the angel sent by God went around Egypt. 
And he looked at every house. Is there blood on the posts of the door or not? If there was not, then the firstborn of the people and also the animals will die. If there was blood, then he would pass by. He would go away. That night, the people of the Lord, people of Israel, was released. They were allowed to leave Egypt. Later, the Lord said, "It was my 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 hand who let you out." They were free, just as the Dutch people were liberated by the Canadians and the Americans in the Second World War. That was the spiritually, the spiritual component, and now there's also a temporal component. The day the Passover was also a kind of prayer day. Then the first fruits of the land were harvested. The barley was ripe and could be harvested. The first sheaves were brought to the priest, and the priest was was moving them. It was a wave offering, forth and back. And then they were praying for a blessed harvest. The second feast was the Pentecost. The feast of the Pentecost, exactly on the fifth day. So you had to to count one, two, three, four, till you to fifty days. That feast began and still begins. The spiritual meaning of that feast is that that the Jewish people remember how the Lord was with them. When they left Egypt, how they had brought them at Mount Horeb, and he gave his commandments, and he renewed his covenant with the people. The Lord had remembered his promise to Abraham. He he didn't forget his people, and and he, he he wanted that the people would serve him. Out of love, just you have heard it this morning, and we 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 were singing about it to serve the Lord because I have a grateful heart out of gratitude. There's also a temporal component in the of the feast, and that's uh, it's it's like a harvest festival. It was not. The barley now, but the wheat that will be harvested. And now they brought not the sheaves, but the first breads to the priest, and he was bringing it. He was offering it to God. Now, the third feast—that's the feast of the tabernacles. It commemorates commemorates how the Lord sustained the people in the desert. For forty years, you know, they they had to be forty years in the desert 
in the dry place without food without trained soldiers they were slaves before but the lord he he was looking after them he cared for them every day every day there was bread from heaven and and they were allowed to pick it up and to eat it manna and the lord he he gave them every day his help he was their shepherd they get gloves and shoes and they get also water water in the desert that was very very important because you cannot be one day in a desert without water you will become dehydrated when you will not drink one day that water that they got in Egypt that they had taken with them it it was run out and then when it happened oh, the people were were grumbling and they began become angry against Moses. And they said to him, "Why did you take us in the desert? Why didn't you leave us in Egypt? Now we will we will die in this awful place because we have no water." We remember that story, I think. It it will be told on on school and at home and then Moses is praying to the Lord Lord what what I have to do tell me I can't give them water in this place and then the Lord instructed Moses and said Moses use your stuff your rod and and strike the rock do it Moses he's very obedient he strikes the rock then what happened you children you know i think then the rock is split and the water comes out of the rock it's a waterfall a big waterfall like you have here in the Fraser uh, Valley also oh the people can drink as much they want and there's because of all that water a small lake at a at a at, at the beginning of the mountain and that water is forming a river that river enters the desert and heads towards the lower regions in the letter to the church at Corinth Paul writes about that water that followed from the rock, rock to the people he he writes and they did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ so that waterfall became a river and the river followed the people 
And they were allowed during their journey to drink from that water every day. And you know, there will come another moment, another time, then, then that water, is there any more? Because they, they had to turn in another direction, and, and then there's again a lack of water. And in that case, Moses had to talk to the rock, but he doesn't. He strikes again the rock. Then he is not obedient to the Lord. But then also the rock is split and there's, there comes a lot of water from the rock. This is what happened on that day whereabout we have read with each other. This is what John is meaning on the last day. The last day, the great day. In the last day, that great day of the feast. Then the people was remembering that the Lord was not only giving bread and a safe journey and a, a pillar cloud in the day and that became a fire in the night but also water water every day and there was a special ceremony because of that remembrance then they were also singing with Isaiah chapter 12 therefore with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation the Jewish Mishnah describes that if someone had never seen the joy surrounding this water ceremony then he had never seen real joy in his life. This ceremony was so full of joy. And that's where about John now is pointing his finger. He's pointing to this ceremony. Then the priest, the high priest, took a golden pitcher and then in a kind of procession, he went downstairs to the well of Siloam. Maybe you've been in Jerusalem, then you will remember this. Siloam. And when he came at the well, he, he filled the pitcher with that water, and then he took the pitcher in his arms, and he walked back to the temple. They ascended. They took the stairs to the temple. And all the people were following, if possible. And they were dancing and singing. And then when the high priest arrived at the altar, then he was walking seven times around the altar. And after that... He poured out the water, the pitcher, on the altar. 
And at that moment, all the people began singing. Singing with Isaiah. We, we get a water. Therefore with joy shall ye draw water out of the, of the wells of salvation. That was the song. And now it becomes silent. But suddenly we hear a voice. And the voice shouts over the temple square. Whoever is thirsty, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his body shall flow rivers of living water. Who is that man who is shouting? Oh, people are looking around. Who is he? And why is he shouting? Why is he calling the people? We will think about it in our second thought. Maybe he was wondering why this Psalm 23. Or you had already the answer. Yes, this was what was in the hearts of, of the people. The Lord was a shepherd for them in the desert. And they were grateful for that. And that's, that's important to be grateful to the Lord. To thank him every day for everything we get. Our bread. Our drink, for our house, our bed, our clothes, for for the family, for the friends we we get, uh, for his his help when we are uh, doing our job or when we are studying, is very necessary. Yes. We have to be grateful. But is that enough? Is that enough? Maybe there were a lot of people in Jesus' time that would say, yes, it's enough to, to be grateful on this feats. To remember the Lord. It's enough. They, they will go home. You can read that in the last verse. Verse 53. And every man went unto his own house. They will leave Jerusalem. They will leave the temple, and they would say to each other, it was a wonderful feast. 
and we have a very, a very good Lord. He's a shepherd, and he still is. And maybe you admit that and say, "Yes, he is also blessing me and us." Sometimes I'm visiting people because they they are married for 25 years or for 40 years or 50 years. I think your pastor will do as well. And then I ask, "What about the Lord?" And then they tell, we have got so much, pastor, so much. We have so many things to, to be grateful for. Look what we have. And then sometimes they, they show me a picture of the family, children, grandchildren. Or they show the house and, and they, we, we, we are healthy and still the Lord is giving us so many things and then I admit and I say okay I'm, I'm happy that you confessed it but is there more more what do you mean once a man said to me but, but, but pastor that I'm healthy is those, it's very important isn't it I said yes it's important but there will come a time in your life then You will die. And then? Oh, you're meaning that? Yes. Why, I'm a pastor. Oh, yeah. Can you encounter the Lord? What will you say to him? When he will show you who you are, a sinner, when he shows your dirtiness, when he shows your guilt, your debts, what will you answer them? Will you not answer him? Because I read in the scripture that people that are not converted, they will put their hand on their mouth. They will not say anything. They have no answers. Or is there a savior? Is there your savior? Jesus Christ. came in your place suffering dying rising up sending to heaven shall he then answer for you father I am in his place. Father, I in her place. 
it's so necessary that we will listen to the voice of Jesus in our life here on earth. It's not enough to pray for our daily bread. We also have to pray, forgive us our trespasses. Cleanse my heart, my heart, with the blood of Christ. That's what I have to pray. We have to confess our sin and guilt. But that is not an end in itself. No, it, it, that confession is to bring us to Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus is saying. Why is he calling to the people? Why is he shouting? Why is he crying? Saying if any man first. If any man first. Let's stop. Let's let think about it. If, if there's anybody, any man, any woman, any girl, any boy, who's thirsting, who's desiring, what? The Lord, Jesus, He's not telling us here what he's meaning with, with that desire, with that first. He only, he only says first. He only is calling people who are thirsty. And he's only asking this morning, are you thirsty? I think all the children will know what it is to be thirsty. Last Sunday morning, I also was speaking about having first. You come, you, you're coming home on a hot day, and maybe you were bicycling very fastly, and then you say, Mommy, I'm so thirsty. Can I get some drink? Do you have water for me or something else? And Mommy says, Take water. That's, that's very healthy. And that's good for the first. Firstly, it's a desire. You feel it in your mouth. It's, it's your body who tells you, you have to drink because your body needs water. And that image is used in the, in the Bible, in the scripture, many times. First, to God. Oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsted for thee. My flesh longed for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Or in other place, we read, My soul first thirst for God. Do we? Do we first for God? Are we thirsty? Are we longing to Him? No, we do not. 
We do not. Lord said to himself that he was looking around the world and that there was nobody who was asking for him, who was, who was looking for him. Nobody is thirsty to him. No, we first the things of this world, the things that will pass. Not only sinful things that we do also. We first to sins. In, in, in the scripture we read about uh, first to forbidden waters and drinking from the forbidden waters. That, that are the sins. But we can also be very busy. We can do our job very well, but we can do too much. Because we love only our job and we are doing our work every day. It's good to do your work. But the Lord say, when you are alone, only thirsty to, to do your daily job and to care for other, others and, and, and to, to have joy, then you are so very poor. So poor and guilty. And we are desiring for peace, for rest, for, yeah, for communion, for uh, for find rest in our lives. Oh, Justine wrote that man was created to live in communion with God, and because that communion is broken, a man has become restless. We are restless. We are still desiring things and more things. Uh, you know, maybe I think children that when when you have your birthday, you uh, you are uh, getting presents. That when you have got presents, you ask, hey, "Are there more presents, Mom, Daddy? Do you have more presents for me?" We want still more. And when you had a very nice day in vacation, uh, maybe you are traveling or uh, you are uh, swimming or something else. And at the end of the day, you ask, and, and tomorrow, what will we do tomorrow? And Mam said, this was enough for today. Tomorrow we, we will look. If a big company as Google knows that, that we are always looking around. And they, they know the, uh, the engineers who make programs, they know that when you are looking, for example, for horses, that, that they you have to show more about horses. Or when you're looking about cars, that they have to show you more cars. Because you still will look for more. And now Jesus says, that first is not a good first. There's only one good first, and that's in the direction of God, to God, firstly, to God. And that's why the Lord Jesus here is telling the people, you are singing, and you are happy, and you had a feast with each other, you, you joined this feast, and now you will go on, but, but if you don't have peace for your heart, 
if you have not met me, then you are still poor. Then you are unlucky. That's why he's crying. And also weeping. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, why didn't you come to me? Why are you still unconverted? Jesus can convert people and, and he can cleanse our souls. But he's also willing to do that. He's willing to do that. And his father is willing as well. Jesus explains is that in, in, in John 6 that the willing of the Father and the willing of the Son is the same. We have not to look only on the rock in the desert, but we have to look on the rock Jesus. That's what Paul writes to the Corinthians. The rock was Jesus. And the water that came out of the rock, that splitted rock, is the living water. And like we had to eat uh, living bread, and we have to see on the blessed serpent, we also have to drink of the water, the living water. Still, you can compare what happened in the desert. You compare it with, with Christ. First, for Christ. Drinking of water. Why is, is Christ now yet uh, using water? The image of water. Yeah. I will pay attention to six functions of water. Six functions, so you can count with me. The first is, water is indispensable for our bodies. If your body doesn't get water, for a couple of days, you will become weaker and weaker. And if you will not drink for many days, you will pass away. Water is so necessary. You must drink or you will die. And that's the spiritual meaning of the living water. And, and to be thirsty, uh, to be thirsty, for living water means you will die forever if you do not drink of the living water. You will end in the darkness, in the eternal darkness, without God's grace, without his communion, without his blessings. You will get none of his blessings. And you will pray for one drip of water, like that rich man did in the parable. One only one. Is it correct? Drip. Drip, we say in Dutch. Very small piece. Little bit water. Jesus is meaning that you have to drink or you will die forever. That's the first function of water. Then the second function of water is that water makes soft. It softens your heart. It's also uh, an image of the Holy Spirit water. And when the Holy Spirit is working in your heart, and he is bringing a soul 
a regenerated soul to Christ, then he first makes the heart, the heart soft, like water is making the earth soft, you know. It's very dry in this area for a long time, and, and, and the earth, the soil is very hard. But when you, you get water on it, it will become soft. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. It makes your heart soft. It makes that your heart will cry, will feel sorrow about your sins, that you will feel guilty in the direction of God, that you will say, I am that sinner, like the, the youngest boy in the parable and like the publican in the parable. I have sinned against thou, O Lord, against thee, O Lord. Save me by grace. For Jesus' sake, I've sinned against God. And I do not deserve His grace, the peace for my heart, the cleansing by the blood of Christ. But I have begging hands. I will become a beggar. Yes, a beggar. Still a beggar. You know, Luther said, just before he died, we still be beggars. We still are begging for grace every day. That's the, the second function. Now I will go to the third function. I've read it in Helen Brook. Maybe you know Helen Brook. He's a Dutch uh, uh, reverend in the 17th, 8th century. And, and he had a very nice explanation, commentary on Isaiah. And there I, I wrote a lot of things about water and to be thirsty to water. Helen Brook writes, water is connecting. Water is connecting. Water can make two parts to one. It will unite them. This is a very thin paper, I think, children. Very thin. When you make this wet, you, have, you must not do that, because it's the Bible, but when it's becoming wet, and you will put this together, you cannot separate it anymore. It's not possible. You will damage it. And that's Helen Brook meeting. He says, when the water of the Holy Spirit comes in your heart, you will be connected to Christ, and you can never be separated from him. You will be one plant with him. The water will come in you. Paul says, Jesus Christ is dwelling in me. He's dwelling in me. And I also read that the Spirit is dwelling in him. It's the home of Jesus and the home of the Spirit, your, your heart. You're becoming one. You can see that in hospital when... Uh, when um, somebody is ill, then you can get uh, special water that's uh, con to, yeah, they call it contrast water. I hope I use now the correct word for it, but it's with a, with a color in the water, and then you have to drink it, and in the scan they can see everything, because that water is one with you, and they can see what's maybe wrong with you. So, Jesus Christ and the sinner will become one, united. God lives in me. Martin Luther says, says, when you are cutting me, 
you are opening my heart, then Christ will come out. Now the fourth function of water, and I think this is yeah, very well known, water is clean, cleaning. It will cleanse you. Every day the children have to clean themselves, and your mommy says, you have to wash your hands before have dinner. You have to cleanse your hands. Only the blood of Christ will cleanse us from our sins. Peter is speaking about the precious blood of an unsparing and undefiled lamb. And the sacrament of the holy baptism is teaching us this. That our seals are unclean and that they have to be cleansed like the body will be cleansed by water. So our seals souls uh, have to be cleansed by the blood of Christ in a spiritual way. Then the fifth function of water is water is giving fertility. Hey, when, when you get water on the earth, the, the flowers and the plants, yeah, they will be blooming and they, they will flourish. It gives new life. When you are uh, using uh, seed and you you, uh, you, have, uh, uh, you, you have done it in the earth, you need water. And that's also the function of the living water. It will give you a new life. Like we read, a heartfelt joy in God to, through Christ and an earnest desire and love to live according to the will of God and doing all good works. And then the last function or the, the last uh, attribute of water is, is that it's, it's free. You can find everywhere water in, in the nature and you, you don't have to pay for it. That's very uh, important that water is free. That the living water is free. Nobody can pay for that. And nobody has to pay for that. We read it also in Revelation. If any is thirsty, come and get the water for nothing. You don't have to pay for it. Last Sunday I was remembering you the story of the Samaritan woman and, and there, there we see the, 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 the application that Jesus is telling that woman, I'm the living water. And you can get it freely. You have not to pay for it. At first, that woman is rejecting it. But after a while, when Jesus still is continuing his sermon, it's a sermon, is speaking to her, then she is asking for that. And we know, John Calvin says, Jesus is using two water cans. First water can is labeled with glory. He's speaking about the glory of the living water. You, 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 will be, uh, you will live forever. And the other is speaking about sins. Both he is using. And then the woman is desiring that water. And she is asking for a savior. Because she knows, I, I need a savior. Do you know? Do, 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 do thou know when he is coming? That savior. And then Jesus says, answer the Yes, I know, because I am. I am the Savior. And then that woman is drinking. 
She is believing in him. And that's drinking. Drinking is believing in him. That's knowing who he is. And that's trusting him. That, he's, that he not came only for other people. But also for me. This sinner. Also this sinful pastor. Yes. That, that's believing. Knowing and trusting. And admitting what, what, what the Lord is promising in the gospel. And that's given by the Holy Spirit. You can't take it by yourself. He he will give it. He will do it when, when we are here, when there's, uh, when there's the preaching of the gospel, or when you are reading home in, in the scripture, the Lord promises. And now, the third thought. Jesus promises that who is drinking of this water, he also will becoming, become a river. That's very strange, maybe. And you ask, how can I become a river? We, we will go back to the rock. The rock in the desert. You know, there was, there was a spit in the rock. The waterfall came out. Then the waterfall is, is making a, a small lake. And then the lake will become a river. A river through the desert. But the river gets creeks. A lot of creeks. And you see them everywhere. We were on Vancouver Island and there are so many creeks. That's what Jesus is, is meaning. You will become a creek. You will also become a person who is giving living water. It's coming from Jesus, from the Holy Spirit. It comes in, 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 in your heart and then it will go out. You will become a small creek. The desert and the barren places will be joyful about this. And the wilderness will rejoice and will bloom like a rose. The whole desert is becoming like a garden because of all that creeks. And that's what's happening in the, in the lives of the Christians. For I will pour water on the thirsty and streams on the dry. I will pour my spirit on your seat and my blessing on your offspring. And they will sprout out among the grass like the willows of the water streams. This is now is referring to the prophets. I think in particular to Zechariah. I think most people will know what I'm meaning now. Zechariah got a vision and he saw that there was a, a, a waterfall coming from the temple and it's, it's going down. And it goes to the Dead Sea. But everything is becoming alive. They see fishermen. Fishermen at the coast of the Dead Sea. Unbelievable. Because there's no living fish in the Dead Sea. But, but, but he sees fishermen. We, we were in a place, oh, I don't remember it. It was on Vancouver Island. But mm, there were a lot of fishermen. On the coast of, of the river, they were fishing salmon, salmon, salmon. And, and we have seen that some of the fishermen were uh, catching salmon. That's, that's the, the image the, the prophet gets. Living water. People will speak about Christ. They will be fruitful. And then, yeah, Jesus is, is talking about what will come. With Pentecost. When he will be glorified. When he is ascended to his father. When his, his suffering 
is done. When he had suffered on the cross, when he died and when he was risen up and he ascended and, and he, he is with his father in heaven, then, then he, he will send the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will glorify him. And then that will, that will be in a way that never has seen before. The Holy Spirit will not only work among people, but also dwell in the church, in the hearts of people. It's, it's in an abundantly way. It's very new. It's the same Spirit, but it is now dwelling in the heart. You, you can observe that when you see uh, Peter and the other disciples, the apostles, oh, they are not afraid. They speak freely about the gospel. And they point to the people, you have murdered the Son of God. You're guilty. They don't, they're not afraid for the consequences. And then the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is using this preaching. And 3,000 people on one day are converted and believe in the Lord Jesus. Now I want to again ask the two questions. The questions of the beginning. And you, are you still unconverted? Are you only thirsty to the things that will pass? You, you cannot help them. Are you thirsty for living water? But maybe you have to say, I didn't drink. I, he's, he's still hidden for me, Christ. What, what do I have to do then? Oh, read the canons of Dort, chapter 1, paragraph 16. Thou fathers, confess. Still praying, still reading, still expecting the blessings of the Lord. And I finished last Sunday the sermon with the words of one of the brothers, the Erskine brothers, and I will do it again. Go with a thirsty heart to Jesus or go for a thirsty heart to Jesus. Amen.